All right, guys, welcome back to Revive School. It's been a full week of randomness. <laughs> Proverbs 12 and 13. I mean, it's all about these golden nuggets of divine principles to apply them to practically live them out for your life skills. It's coming from, uh, in my opinion, what I really hear is a father. That's what I hear. I hear a father Solomon saying, son, sons, please don't do this. And then from a broader perspective, it's coming as a royal court, you know, maybe as a king perspective. And then even a bigger perspective, it's coming as, hey, here's just some general wisdom uh, and understanding that I want you to embrace. So I like that there's dialogues, but because, you know, when you parent, you're going to embrace the moment right then and there. Uh, Jude, please, whatever it is, you know, don't throw the basketball at your sister's head. So you're going to talk about the value and the importance of not hitting people in the head. But then four hours later... He might not be drinking all of his water and eating all his food. So guess what? I'm going to be talking about that. So it's kind of like these practical illustrations that Solomon's just walking through. It's called life. And I think the beautiful part about all of this is that we have one word that describes the book of of Proverbs. And I think everybody would agree. It's wisdom. But crazy enough, this wisdom in Proverbs 12 and 13 or all the 13 chapters that we've talked about This wisdom points to, Kevin, if you'll go there, 1 Corinthians 1, 24 and verse 30, it talks about really what this wisdom points to. Scripture says this, Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. So the wisdom that we need today, guess what? It comes from Christ. It is Christ. And then in verse 30, it says, But it is from Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became God-given wisdom for us. Christ came and became wisdom for us. So how do we get through this? Through Christ. With Christ and in Christ. He is what we need to get through all of these scenarios that we're talking about. All right, so we're going to jump into Proverbs 13 today. And I really anticipate studying one verse. Uh, And we'll get there, but, you know... This is one of those, uh, like if you look in Proverbs 11, when you look at Proverbs 12, you know how you look in the, in the Bible and you're like, oh, there's a nice clean break. Ah, oh, yeah, there's a little section right there. There's none of that. So in verse 1, it says, a wise son responds to his father's discipline. In other words, he receives the discipline or the punishment that he's gotten in order to grow and mature and gain understanding. But a mocker doesn't listen to rebuke. A mocker gets defensive, puts his hands up. No, 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 whoa, 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 I... There's an arrogance there because there's, there's not a humility in receiving the love which comes through discipline. Uh, let's just go to Hebrews 12 if we can, Kevin. Hebrews 12, verse 7. Just before we move on, it says, A wise son responds to his father's discipline. There's a bigger picture here of why we have to go through discipline. And so it says in Hebrews 12, 7, Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? I mean, this is going hand in hand with Proverbs 13, 1. It continues on. And it says, but if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children, not sons. Verse 9, furthermore, we had natural fathers discipline us, and we respected them. 
Scripture talks about this. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? And then finally in verse 10, for they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it, he does it, God does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness. I love how Hebrews 12 ties in with Proverbs 13, the value of discipline. It says in verse 2, 3, and 4 of Proverbs 13, it talks about speech. Uh, I'm already going to tell you, I feel like the Lord's helping me in this area of my life, but I'm, I'm still a work in progress. It says, from the words of his mouth, a man will enjoy good things. But treacherous people have an appetite for violence. Scripture says in verse 3, The one who guards his mouth protects his life. The one who opens his lips invites his own ruin. And then it just says uh, in verse 4, The slacker craves, yet has nothing, but the diligent is fully satisfied. Really, if I want to just bring it into verse 3, it says the one who guards his mouth protects his life. In other words... um, You don't have to say everything all the time. You need to watch what you say. In fact, the one who opens his lips invites his own ruin. Kevin, let's get the Kevin perspective on Proverbs 13, verse 3. And then we're going to just really unpack this. Uh, Kevin is choosing to plead the fifth right now, and he's not saying anything. Rich, you want to comment on Proverbs 13, 3? This is so ridiculous. <laughs> yes, it worked. They're just playing the silent game. Real effective, guys. All right, so here's what I want to do. I, you know, there's an issue in my home with our family of having a hard time taming the tongue. I'll tell you what, every one of us is super driven. Every one of us is super competitive. And every one of us wants the last word in. There's not an exception. Maya, Nadia, Sela, Jude, Laura. Hmm. Or it's not as much, and me. When I tell you this about our family, I'm trying to be transparent. And the reason I'm saying that because it's really hard when somebody says something and then you feel like you got to get the last thing in. It's totally not godly. 100% not godly. And we got to work on it. So that's what I want to do today. I read this verse and I was like, oh, this needs to be for our family. <laughs> like, I'm not proud about it. I'm just like, there's areas in our lives. All of our families, you have your little weak points. This would be one of ours. Our family is not hesitant to tell you what we think. Imagine what I say. Imagine six of us. Oh, dear Lord. (laughs) It's not really ever quiet either in our house. Uh, In fact, when Gordy and Tom Schieffer or Fred Staten come and stay at our house or Josh Edwards, and if they're Josh Edwards. Remember, it's verse three. We're working. On. <laughs> I gotta keep my mouth quiet. Uh, I'm not. I'm done talking now because nothing good was gonna come out of my mouth. So, all right, can we go to James three? <laughs> this is gonna go well today if I can't say anything. James three verse six says this: "And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed on the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body." sets the course of life on fire and is set on fire by hell. I don't think he missed anything. No, it's all covered. Let's go to verse (laughs) 8. But no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. 
Well, that's really encouraging. Kevin, let's just do one more and then here we go. Luke 6, verse 45. So, if the tongue is a major issue, you really got to guard what you're going to say. It says this in Luke 6, 45. A good man produces good out of the good storeroom of his heart. An evil man produces evil out of the evil storeroom. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. So here's the deal. Whatever we're saying out of our mouth is coming from our heart. And whatever's coming from our heart, it's going to go to our tongue. And then what's on our tongue could set things on fire if it's not of the Lord. So we got to make sure that what we're releasing is of the Lord. And what we're saying is of the Lord. And so, Kevin, if you would, just go back to Proverbs 13, verse 3. I want to just set the tone again one more time. And then I'm going to walk through ways of how we could possibly tame the tongue. What does it look like? It says, the one who guards his mouth protects his life. In other words, by you actually staying quiet actually might have bigger picture of saving your life. But the one who opens his lips invites his own ruin. You know, I got pulled over by, uh, of a policeman in another country uh, just recently. <laughs> I am clearly aware that what I did was completely wrong. I was in a wrong lane and I did a U-turn, both things which I knew were wrong. It would have been in my spirit just to be a little comical. Just like, do you know what you're doing? Yes, sir. Did you know what you did wrong? Yes, sir. Like, no, duh, of course. You know, like, you know, like I kind of wanted to go there, but then in my mind, I'm like, I don't want to get bailed out of this jail. So like, there's a time to keep your mouth shut, right? I'm, I'm kind of serious. And like, don't do those kind of things. Don't mouth off. Don't say these things because eventually it will add up. So how do we tame our tongue? Well, I like this. There's an organization called Reformation Scotland. Reformation Scotland, 12 ways, you ready for this? To tame the tongue. And we're going to hang out here as long as we can because if it means getting better at this, I'm all for it. So if somebody right now has an issue with your tongue, raise your hand. Okay. Okay, good. I can see Tom's hand and Kevin's and Rich. Just so you know, everybody raise their hand. I'm willing to bet 98% of you raised your hand. If not, you just did something that was detestable to the Lord. You lied. Calling it like it. You know? So here's the deal. We all have some kind of issue. I'm not going to be very good at this lesson today. So how do we tame our tongue? Well, number one, they're not in any particular order, but just here we go. Okay, is you speak no Sin, that's the mentality that you have to have. Can you go to uh, Psalm 34, verse 18, okay? Speak no sin, okay? Psalm 34, verse 13, I'm sorry. Psalm 34, verse 13. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. Like, whatever it takes, like, I mean, somebody always hits a hot button, right? There's somebody that always, like, you're around them and you're like, I just want to say what I want to say. But you speak no sin. Keep your tongue from evil. Keep your lips from deceitful speech. So that's the mentality. How can I not speak sin into other people's lives? Now, let's flip it, okay? Let's take it on a positive route, okay? We want to speak to edify, okay? We want to speak to edify. So, Kevin, if you would, go to Matthew 12, verse 36. And I think this is important to understand both sides of the coin. You don't want to release evil, as Scripture says, but you also want to clearly edify a person. And so it says, uh, I tell you, this is Jesus, on that day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. 
That's not funny. And yet, all of us are in trouble. I should put that on you. Like, does that count like sarcasm, you think? This is careless. Well, that was intentional. I meant to say it. (laughs) Your beard looks amazing. (laughs) Thanks, Rich. That's very edifying. You're lying. (laughs) Maybe. Okay, so think about this. Okay, we want to tame our tongue, so you don't want to speak sin. Rich, you want to speak to edify. Yeah, well, tame the tongue. This is a really good lesson for us. All right, listen. Speak no sin and speak to edify. We want to, we want to build each other up. Kevin, can you gain your composure? Go to Ephesians 5, 4, please. Scripture just says this. Course... Oh, <laughs> Who chose to do this lesson today? Coarse and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. This concludes this message. <laughs> this concludes this message. This taming the tongue thing is hard, man. Speak no sin and speak to edify. So instead of making fun of each other, crude joking, foolish talking, we should give thanks. I'm really thankful for you, Kevin. Thank you. <laughs> So how do you tame the tongue? You say something nice. You give thanks to the Lord. We're going to get there, guys. But this is this is real life. This is hard. Is this not? At least we can. With us it is. Oh, Lord. Help me. All right, let's go to number three. Let's try to make some progress here. All right. You want to speak. This is a really good one. Sparingly. All right. So speak no sin. Speak to edify. And then. Maybe you shouldn't talk so much. Mm. Go to, go to, did you say, hmm? <laughs> Proverbs 10, 19, please. Proverbs 10, 19. Tom does a good job at that. Yeah, Tom does a great job at this. Proverbs 10, 19. Tom's like, I don't know what's so hard about this. When there are many words, sin is unavoidable. Like diarrhea of the mouth, like we talked about yesterday. But the one who controls his lips is wise. So then when you speak sparingly, it fits with speaking no sin because then it's actually avoidable of not releasing those words. Now, James 1.19 says this, you have to be slow to speak. My dear lovely, my, my dearly loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be what? Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Two ears, one mouth, Speak less. When you speak less, you have a chance of speaking not as much sin. Sounds simple, but at least this is a process. Maybe we can start thinking through. Speak no sin. Speak to edify. Speak sparingly. All right, let's keep going to number four. Uh, By far, sparingly is the hardest for me. You guys, you're living the principle out. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, very simple, along with sparingly, speak with, with restraint. Okay? Can you go to Proverbs 7, verse 11 for me, please? Proverbs 7, 11. <laughs> she is loud and defiant. Her feet do not stay at home. This, this image of loud and defiant, like, control yourself in what you say. 
You don't have to be loud. You don't have to be like, hey, everybody, I'm here. Like, speak with control. Speak with restraint. And in fact, Kevin, if you would, would you go to Jude? There's only one chapter, so go to verse 16. We don't want to be the loud and clamorous people. Jude 1.16 says, these people are discontented grumblers. Walking according to their desires, their mouths utter arrogant words, flattering people for their own advantage. So here they are, this discontent, like they're grumbling out loud. Their mouths utter arrogant words, like out loud. And there's this lad, and it's, it's almost like this, this symbols, you know, like, here we come, here we come. Speak with restraint. Speak with control. Speak sparingly so that you avoid sin. And when you speak, edify people. Sounds easy, but when that first thought comes to your head and you just want to release it, you know, I, my wife does this to illustrate uh, the words at her house. She actually takes a toothpaste and she squirts it out and she says, go ahead. Those are the words that you just said. Try to get it back in. It's super hard and comical <laughs> to watch people try to get it back in. It's really hard. And that's the point. You can't take it back. So let's go on to number five. Ah, go to Matthew 12, verse 19. One more here. Matthew 12, verse 19. This comes from Reformation Scotland, by the way. Uh, Jesus, these are Jesus's words. This is Jesus. This is so crazy, you guys. When he's doing ministry in his prime, it says, he will not argue or shout. And no one will hear his voice in the streets. You believe this? I've never seen this. Where have I been? He won't argue. Now, we've talked about you can't argue people into the kingdom of God. We've said that. But the whole he hasn't shouted and nobody's going to hear his voice in the streets. Like Jesus doesn't really need to make himself known. Uh, it will already just happen. And I think sometimes when people are louder, it's kind of like they do it because it's look at me, look at me. If Jesus didn't do it, we don't need to do it. So speak no sin, speak to edify, speak sparingly, and speak with restraint. Jesus did it even out on the streets. It's kind of a cool picture of taming the tongue, something maybe that we can learn from. Number five, uh, here we have is speak. If you go to uh, Proverbs 15, 28, speak without haste. says, the mind of the righteous person thinks before answering, but the mouth of the wicked blurts out evil things. <laughs> I love this one. The mind of the righteous person thinks. Hmm. They actually think before they say something. That's actually a biblical verse. Think before you speak. It's Proverbs 15, 28. The mind of the righteous person thinks before answering, but the mouth of the wicked just... You ever feel like you've ever been vomited on by somebody? Like they, they start talking to you and like you feel bad because they can't even breathe. They're talking so much. <laughs> and then on top of that, you throw in a close walker, a close talker. <laughs> Maybe I should stop right there. Uh, it's just like these, these people, they just, now I'm not saying because you talk a ton that you're evil, but the mouth of the wicked just blurts it out and you don't even think about what you're saying. How do we tame the tongue? You speak no sin, speak to edify, speak sparingly with restraint and without haste. All right, let's go to, if we can, uh, can you go to Matthew 7, 
verse 29. I'm going to write down a phrase, but I wanted that verse up there. Matthew 7, 29 says, because he was teaching like them who had authority and not like their scribes. When you speak, you speak reverently, okay? Reverently. And, and here's where I want to go with this, reverently, okay? Okay, the reason you can speak reverently is that you have authority, okay? Hang in here for a second, okay? Go to, if you go to Acts 4, verse 13, this will all put it together. So you speak with authority, and then you have to actually speak like you've been in his presence. Acts 4, verse 13 says, When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they, they were amazed and recognized they had been with Jesus. So when you speak with this authority, when you speak because you've been in his presence, it's like you're speaking reverently. You recognize what you're saying. You recognize what you're representing. You recognize, you're, I mean, can I just say you're an ambassador for Christ? Like, this is what we're talking about. You're speaking with this almost like this, this meekness, power under control mentality. It's a pretty cool image, but it's hard to get to this point unless you're spending time in his presence. Unless you've actually been with Jesus in the word, it's hard to speak like this. It's hard to speak like all of this if you haven't been with Jesus. All right, let's keep going here. Number seven, if we can, you got to speak in faith. Again, ways to tame the tongue. Scripture just says this, Kevin, if you would, 2 Corinthians 4, 13. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13. Now, why is this an issue? Because Proverbs 3, 13 says you need to guard your lips, guard your mouth. And 2 Corinthians 4, 13 says, And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. So because we believe, we therefore have the right to speak in faith. Ah, that's a big one. Because you believe in Christ, because you believe in the word of God, because you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, you can speak in faith. Keeping in what is written, you have that same spirit. Kevin, if you want to go to... Uh, Psalm 116, verse 10. Psalm 116, verse 10. It says, I believed even when I said I'm severely afflicted. There's this belief and saying it at the same time. There's this belief and releasing it. When you live in this category, can I just say this? The other things, not necessarily the edifying one, but like the sin and maybe even working on the control. When you walk in faith, those things get, I don't want to say a little bit easier, but they help. Because you know the authority that you're speaking in. And so that authority that you're speaking in is of the Lord, and it can't be of your flesh, which helps you tame the tongue. So when you're not speaking in faith and you're struggling in other areas, the way that you can increase your um, taming your tongue mentality is ask the Lord to increase your faith. Because then your focus becomes more about Him than about others and yourself. Sounds simple, but man, when you start walking like that, it actually helps. Can you go to 1 John 1, 3? 1 John 1, 3 says, What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you. So what we've experienced, we've declared. So what the way that you can control your tongue 
is you have testimonies of the Lord working in your life. And when you have testimonies of the Lord working in your life, the other stuff are meaningless. Whatever the issues that you have with people, if God's radically moving in your life, that's what you're going to testify, not about the people that are bothering you. That's what's so funny to me about when the church gets hung up on all of these issues of other people, when you could just be testifying and giving thanks about what God's doing. And that's what draws people to the Lord, not you saying all this other stuff. What we've seen and heard, we declare to you. Why? So that you may have fellowship along with us. We want to, by our testimony, in faith, release the word so that other people can join us. That's an awesome picture, you guys. That's an unbelievable motivation to understand how to tame the tongue because you want more people to join the body of Christ. You want more people to align with your belief in Christ. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. All right, we got about a couple more left here. Kevin, if we can, uh, I want you to speak prayerfully. Okay, it's kind of an interesting one, but Kevin, would you go to Nehemiah 2.4? Speak prayerfully. And again, you know, you might not embrace all of these. That's totally fine. Uh, so Nehemiah 2.4 says, And the king asks me, what is your request? And so then right away, what does he start doing? <laughs> I prayed. <laughs> hey, man, what's, what's going on? What's your issue? How can I help you? Oh, God of heaven. And he starts praying. Now, that's the best way to tame the tongue. Now, the king might think you're crazy. But what an awesome way to respond is through prayer. Nehemiah does it. We can do it. Okay, he keeps going. I want you to think through and speak wisely. Okay, I'm going to just kind of write some others down here. I want you to speak. <laughs> I want you to speak in fear. Now, clearly, we're talking about fear of, of the Lord. Okay, I want you to then to understand how to speak with kindness. And number 12, I want you to learn how to speak without, this is really huge, self-praise. Can you go to Proverbs 27, verse 2? Proverbs 27, verse 2. Let another praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger and not your own lips. How do you tame your tongue? Hey, uh, I don't know, make up a scenario. Kevin, how was your amazing, how was your basketball team, you know, uh, this week, this basketball game? And you guys, you killed them. You did amazing. Your players did awesome. Your kid did awesome. And instead of you answering, you should be like, Rich is like, hey, I, I saw that. Kevin's an amazing coach. His players did absolutely incredible. The way they played defense, the way that they shot outside. And like, instead of Kevin even responding, let somebody else respond. You always let somebody else praise you and not your own mouth. So to me, there's different ways of taming the tongue. You can focus sometimes on the negative meaning. I don't want to work. I don't want to sin when I talk. Uh, I I don't want to like just vomit on people. But at the same time, I want to speak in faith. I want to speak in kindness. I want to speak prayerfully. You know, my wife says, hey, how was your day? Lord, let me just tell you how my day was. Like, I would just, I'd love to start turning this into prayer. Not, I'm not making light of this. I just, that's the image that we want. This is how we can start working through taming the tongue. Because let's go back, Kevin, to Proverbs 3, verse 13. 
I'm sorry, Proverbs 13, verse 3, says the one who guards his mouth protects his life. The one who opens his lips invites his own ruin. And so, Father, I just pray that as those that are listening, I would pray that we would be men and women of God that would learn how to guard our mouth and uh, control our lips from releasing things that are not of you. So, Father, I just pray that our tongues are tamed. And I pray that what we say can edify, can glorify you. Uh, Lord, that we would speak with restraint and without haste. Lord, that we would begin to start speaking and releasing in faith. But in all of this, Lord, that we would be men and women of prayer. Father, I pray that whatever we say, whatever we do, always points people to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great day, guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow.